the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. And welcome in. Kathy Emmons with you from the Word FM studios. John Hall, my on-air partner, sadly, friends, taking a day off. But I'm joined on the other side of the glass, in that other adjoining room, by producer New Mike. Hello, Hello, New Mike to you. How you doing, Kat? How are you today? Good to be here. I'm happy. Are you happy? Very happy. Why are you happy? I had a great weekend. Did you? Yeah. I didn't go to the Garth Brooks concert. Oh, that's too bad, because I was hoping that you'd give me the wrap-up. Yeah. I heard it was good, though. I heard, I, heard from, from a couple of reliable sources. Okay, we're going to talk about it in a minute. Uh, but I went house hunting over the weekend. I didn't I didn't get a house yet, but we found we found a couple possible uh, possible ones. This but, is a thrilling yes, development. Yes, it is. Yes, now, here's is. the thing I was trying to engineer is, you know, my dear neighbor Lynn is moving. And, you know, I like you enough that I was hoping you'd be my next door neighbor. Uh, I don't – those neighbors would be a little bit shaky. I think. Yeah, I know. I did <laughs> – I did know that you would talk to other people on my street and they'd say, you know what? You don't want to live next to them. <laughs> anyway, okay, so house hunting. So you got some possibilities. Yeah, yeah. I, I, li- I found out that I like the um, the Victorian style. I do. It's a lovely style. Yeah, I do. Um, the- Lots of original wood, tall rooms, yes. pocket doors. Uh-huh. You know it. I do know it. Uh, Continental. Isn't that a style? Uh, continental? Or, or not continental, but the, um, uh, jeez, mm. I forget what it's called. Georgian? No. Um, it looks like it's arts country, and crafts. country looking. Okay, that would be uh, colonial. Colonial. There we go. There we go. Hey. Sorry. Sorry, I'm new to this. That's all right. I'm just here to help. <laughs> yeah, colonial. I Colonial was my favorite until I saw a Victorian house. Uh-huh. It was a, it was a four bedroom. and Tall and thin. Tall and thin. Large, massive rooms. Uh, fireplaces doors, fireplaces yes of course it was just yeah so i'm hooked on the victorian now so so yeah well queen victoria would be happy to hear it now oh. well too bad i can't uh have a house like she lives in so <laughs> yeah she had several of them <laughs> she didn't have to be concerned no, about her own all. all right so let's go to the weekend wrap up now that you've started this right. out okay so garth brooks here on uh, saturday night with seventy thousand of his closest fans last one no Last one to show I was the last one you thought you'd see there And I saw the surprise and the fear in his eyes Okay, now I never heard that song before I toasted you, said honey, we may be Oh, yeah Oh, yeah, I've heard that Okay, I heard nothing bad about this concert. I heard nothing bad about like people being yeah. people being nasty and throwing garbage everywhere. I didn't hear about giant fights. I didn't hear about any of that. It, <laughs> I heard that people were well behaved. It's, it's ridiculous. It reminds me of 
um, coming back home and asking the babysitter, hey, were our kids okay? <laughs> right. That's, were they okay? Were, were yes, they good? Yes. That's exactly what it was like. It's ridiculous. I was looking for videos online Saturday of like huge brawls or like huge yeah. light towers dissembling and calling on, on fire. Innocent people. There was nothing like that. Okay. It seems like Garth loves Pittsburgh. Did you see him with his uh, pirate jersey? No, I didn't. He had his pirate jersey. Did you see him with his Roethlisberger jersey? No, I did not. You, did you see him with his terrible towel? Apparently. What the heck, Mike? I was in Daryl's house. Listen. Sorry. You got to check I in on some all. media sources. Apparently. Crying out loud. Anyway, he said on, uh, on Twitter, hashtag Steeler Nation, you showed me tonight you are Pittsburgh strong forever. Yes. Thank you for the love and the unity. So Garth apparently had a great time. I feel good about is. it. 70,000 people who were like well-behaved and not... Starting fires in his in his prime, he was the Kenny Chesney. <laughs> he was. I have a feeling he might be a little insulted by that. Probably. Oh well. All right. Uh, weekend wrap up continues with our Buckos. Listen, they are on fire. I am so pumped about the Bucks right now. They're twenty four and twenty overall, Mike. Nice three game win streak. Over their 11-game road trip, which looked really scary to start with, they went 7-4. and four. That's so promising yes, to hear. Yes, that is really, really good. Josh Bell, our first baseman, who we love, currently leading, uh, not leading, he's tied today, uh, for the Major League Baseball RBI highest total for the season. He's tied. Uh, Musgrove looked good yesterday. He pitched into the seventh. Melky Cabrera got his 1900th hit during yesterday's game. Uh, it, I, I was starting to get a little worried when they took Musgrove out, but then Papa Francisco, Felipe Vasquez pitched shutouts in the eighth and ninth. Uh, homestand starts tomorrow. Mike, you're going to the game tomorrow night. I am. With a whole bunch of pals. Really? Am I? Well, aren't you? I think so. I thought you were. I am now. Did you invite me? You want to go? I don't know. <laughs> Of yeah, course. let's go. Of course I want to go. Anyway, 6-4 win yesterday versus the Padres. Homestand starts tomorrow. New Mike and all his friends will be there. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, another local story that I thought was really cool is that um, Brooks Kepka won the PGA Championship yesterday. So if you're a golf fan, um, the PGA started Thursday, and Kepka was the leader for every single day. It's very rare that that happens if you watch pro golf. Someone who's leading the first day will fall off after the second or third or whatever. Anyway, he led the whole time until the very back nine of the uh, fourth day yesterday when Dustin Johnson almost caught him. So he was up by seven, I think, at the start of yesterday. He ended up winning by, I want to say, two. It was the 101st uh, PGA. Uh, Kepka is a is a absolutely fabulous golfer. He's already won four majors. Um, what did I see here? Only twenty nine men have ever won four or more majors, wow. and only eighteen have done it since World War II. The only active golfers who have accomplished this are Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Ernie Els, and Rory McIlroy. And Kepka's in that list now. But here's the question: This is, is what brings it around to the local. You know who his uncle is? Who's that? Dick Grote. What? 
Dick Grote is his uncle. Can you believe that? No, I can't. Yes, it's true. Dick Grote is actually his, his great uncle. How about that? If you're saying, wait, I think I know the name Dick Grote. Well, first of all, you need to know the name of Dick Grote, the single greatest athlete that Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh ever yes. produced. He won uh, two World Series as a shortstop with the Pirates. He was the National League MVP in 1960. He earned a spot on eight National League All-Star teams. He was also third overall in the 1952 NBA draft. Nice. Um, he's 88 years old. He just retired this year uh, after being the radio analyst for the uh, Pitt Panther basketball team for, I don't know, 41, 42 years mm-hmm. or something. And he is Brooks Kepka's great uncle. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's a fun fact of the day. I absolutely love to read that. Okay, uh, the Boston Bruins are in the Stanley Cup. No, I don't want no. Boo, don't hiss. Want to talk about that. Boo, boo, hiss. We don't know who they're playing yet. Maybe St. Louis, maybe San Jose, but San Jose has to win tonight. Anyway, and last but not least, Game of Thrones is over, Mike. Are you crying bitter tears? <laughs> uh, no, absolutely not. Did, I'm not. did, did I'm, you see it? I, I didn't. I haven't seen one episode. And all of my college friends are, are watching this. They're, I'm, on, on a, I'm on a massive group text, and my phone's blowing up, and they're all upset about the, the final. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, hey, you guys just wasted your time in right. your life. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It's probably good. It's probably really good. I, I haven't given it a chance. No. But I don't have time to right no, now. No, I don't, have, I I don't, don't. have time to either. And I especially love when a TV series ends and everyone is in complete revolt. Yeah. Like they just, they have, they're going to have to go back and rewrite it because I can't possibly live my life with, with this type of wrap up. It was like yeah. when Lost ended and I thought, really? So the whole time it really was purgatory? Yeah, one too many Starbucks cups. How can that scene? be? Exactly. Anyway, <laughs> apparently 10.7 million people have called in sick today. That's, oh my gosh. Have you ever called in sick because of watching a TV show? No. And I really would like to know if any of those people, if any number of them got fired. Because, I'm sorry, that's just ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Have you ever called in sick after the Super Bowl? Um, no. No. Have you ever called in sick because you were having a party of any sort? No. I don't think so either. Why would you do that? I you just go. You, you tough just it go. Out. You tough it out. You get you get up in the morning, have some Folgers coffee. Yeah, you're not you're tough not really having Folgers coffee, no, are you? Starbucks. Okay, probably. good. All right, that's better. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing: as I've said before, <laughs> the day after the Super Bowl should be a national holiday. It should we should be. accept. We should just accept that. But you're like, right. if you're watching Game of Thrones, people like this that's is just good. the way it's going to have to be. You're just going to have to live with it. Anyway, coming up next, we're going to talk to Greg Clugston live from the White House this week in the nation's capital. It's next on the ride home. employers, are you tired of paying outrageous premiums for health insurance? How about a plan that allows you to go to any hospital in the country, a plan that pays you back every year? Now, whether you want a top-of-the-line plan or just enough to keep you legal, Marley Financial, they have a custom-made plan for you. As a business owner, you owe it to yourself to stay ahead of the ever-changing marketplace, and Marley's been on the cutting edge of new and improved health plans for both individuals and for businesses. And only Marley Financial offers health plans that actually pay you back. So go to MarleyFG.com for unbiased, top-notch plans from any carrier in Pennsylvania, plans that'll save you money and give you an edge over the competition. They even offer offer custom business solutions to reduce your liability and overhead as you grow. They are truly one of the most innovative agencies in the nation. So give them a call now, Marley Financial, 724-884-1496 or find them online at marleyfg.com. 
101.5 WORD. In many parts of the world, China, Africa, India, Southeast Asia, people have never heard, have never heard the name of Jesus. Even if they have, many lack the resources to learn about it. Word FM has teamed with the Bible League to send God's Word to the world. $5 will send a Bible now. $100 will send 20 Give now at wordfm.com keyword Bibles or call 1-800-YES-WORD. Creation Fest 2019 is coming. Join us with your family and friends for a weekend of worship like no other. Over 70 artists like Skillet, Hillsong Worship, Crowder, Elevation Worship, 10th Avenue North, Mendisa, Carrie Joe, and Ledger. As well as over 15 speakers like Bob Lenz, Reggie Dabbs, and David Nasser. Part of the creation worship experience set in the beautiful mountains of central Pennsylvania. Next summer for four days of music, camping, and family fun. Creation Festival is returning to Agape Farm in central Pennsylvania, June 26th through the 29th. Go to creationfest.com to find out more. That's creationfest.com. It will be the highlight of your summer, maybe even your life. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership. But not the Word FM Discount Shopping Club. No, in our club, you save as much as half. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more. All from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to wordfm.com slash shopping. And I'll see you at the club. Thank you. Monday, a little bit after 4.15, and that means it's time to talk to Greg Clugston, SRN News White House correspondent. Greg, welcome in. Hi, Kathy. How are you? So lots of news today. Um, I want to talk about Don McGahn, but first I want to talk about the president because it's his very first trip to Pennsylvania. So let's start there. Trump rally tonight in Montour... Somewhere around Montour. I'm right about that, Greg? Yeah, Montoursville. Yeah, yeah Montoursville. Up, uh, there we go, 7 yeah, o'clock. North, north central, I guess, uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, your, your state is going to be uh, very critical to the White House uh, race in 2020. Uh, Donald Trump, as you well know, won Pennsylvania in 2016. He won it very narrowly. One percent or less, and so that was critical in 2016. It's going to be critical again in this next round. And what's interesting is that you also have Joe Biden, who's the current Democratic frontrunner. And as we've discussed before, Pennsylvania is uh, is a big deal for him. He's from Scranton. In the last week or so, he has announced that his campaign headquarters is going to be in Philadelphia. So he's uh, putting stakes down mm-hmm. in uh, in your state as well. So um, I, I'm sure this is going to be uh, the first of many visits Donald Trump will be making over the next year and a half to Pennsylvania. Yeah, so 7 o'clock tonight. Now, this he's, he's going in to support the Republican Fred Keller, who is going up against uh, Mark Friedenberg for the 12th Congressional District. So he's going to be there advocating for somebody else. But, of course, this is really about the next presidential election. 
Oh, sure it is. And it's also about um, that part of the state uh, last time uh, coming out in very strong support for him. So he's going to a reliably red part of the state and the region, and uh, it's just an effort to you know keep the energy level high among the base of supporters and also trying to attract uh, new support as well. But that's, that's a part of the whole political rally uh, strategy that the White House has been unveiling here for some time. Right. And as I remember, uh, Trump won Pennsylvania by about 1%. So the Democrats know that this is a state that is absolutely there for the taking, but it's it's going to be an ugly drag out around us. Yeah, I think we're going to be hearing a lot about not only Pennsylvania, but Michigan and Wisconsin, because all three of those were uh, captured by Donald Trump in 2016, and um, a couple of them hadn't been won by a Republican presidential candidate in a number of, of election cycles. So, And they were all fairly narrow victories. And so that's why uh, the calculation for the Trump campaign is going to be very interesting as they, uh, they've not officially launched the 2020 re-election effort, but there's no doubt that Donald Trump is running. And uh, this is a stop in Pennsylvania tonight that will be uh, the first of many in, in these very critical states. Let's talk about the news related to ex-White House lawyer Don McGahn. Um, tell us what's going on. Yeah, this has just happened in the last hour or two. The White House uh, put out a statement and uh, has sent a letter to the House Judiciary Committee. They had wanted the committee wants to uh, is going to be meeting tomorrow on Capitol Hill and um, wants White House Counsel Don McGahn to come and testify. And they issued a subpoena for him to come uh, after he uh, didn't come um, just at their request. And what the White House has done. Is, is telling McGahn to defy the congressional subpoena and not show up tomorrow. And uh, they make a legal argument that McGahn would have immunity from testifying because of his work mm-hmm. as a close presidential advisor. And as we know from the Mueller report, McGahn uh, was a very key figure. He testified for more than 30 hours to uh, Robert Mueller and his special counsel prosecutors and uh, he was very, you know, he was very aware and has the notes and everything of uh, some of the efforts that the president took during the entire Russia investigation. So the White House is saying uh, we are relying on Department of Justice guidance to have McGahn ignore the committee. So we'll have to see what happens tomorrow, Kathy. The, the committee is likely to go ahead and meet. And there has been, again, the threat that there could be a contempt vote for um, another member related to the Trump administration. I cannot imagine that anybody from the Judiciary Committee thought that Don McGahn would actually show for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Because, I mean, that's uh, political theater. That can't actually be. And plus, yeah. he's already like, it's not like he went and talked to Robert Mueller for three minutes. I mean, it was so, what'd you say, 30 hours? Yeah, 30 hours. And, when, and if you look in those key passages of the Mueller report, um, you know, McGahn uh, provided you know some some pretty interesting information and detail from inside the White House, uh, which you know which doesn't get said a lot. But President Trump allowed his own White House counsel to go ahead and do that, right. uh, and that was part of the uh, the statement that the White House released here uh, just in the last hour or so. Press Secretary Sarah Sanders again reminding the public that. Um, you know, 1.4 million documents or thereabouts has been uh, provided by the administration to the special counsel, and that uh, they continue to make the argument that they were transparent by allowing all of these individuals to be mm-hmm. available for testimony. And they're simply arguing, the president and his team, the White House legal team, saying, look, 
the House Democrats didn't like the result of the Mueller report, and they're just trying to get a do-over on Capitol Hill by having all these people come back and, and try to get more testimony. I just don't see how this plays well for the Democrats. I, you know, I was looking at the Zogby poll. I'm sure you saw it. it. came out last Friday or Thursday about how well Trump is doing, like with millennials, um, with with uh, the 18 to 25 uh, age group. I, I think I, I just don't know if Democrats are doing themselves any favors at all by pushing an issue that it seems like most people just want to be done with. Yeah, the, I think a lot of people knew that it probably wouldn't be over once, even when we had the Robert Mueller report released. But um, there are there are any number of people who are are thinking that this is overreached by the Democrats, and it could it could you know come back and and hurt them when Americans and voters are looking at Congress to say, okay, Democrats, you won control of the House uh, in the midterm elections. What have you accomplished? legislatively um, in the House. And, um, and you know, they have so many different investigations going. That seems to be their, their focus and their priority right now. We're talking to Greg Clugston, SRN News White House correspondent, with his weekly wrap-up from the nation's capital. Okay, so let's talk about the president talking on Fox News last night, uh, interviewed by Steve Hilton. Uh, Mike, play a little bit of this for us. When I first came to office, one of the first meetings I had was at the Pentagon with generals. And they were showing me the Middle East. And they had 14 or 15 sites where there was nothing but war, problems. Every single one of those sites was instigated by Iran. It was Iran military. It was people paid by Iran. It was just, you have no idea. It was just, I said, this is terrible. They were so strong. I ended the Iran nuclear deal. And actually, I must tell you, I had no idea it was going to be as strong as it was, it totally, the country is. All right, so the president making his case um, that from the very beginning, from the earliest days of his presidency, the intelligence reports came in and he said Iran was all over most negative stuff that was happening on the globe. Um, Does the White House feel like they made their case well in the case against Iran last night, Greg? They do. They feel that, you know, the president is, is his own best spokesman, and uh, he went into a little bit more detail than he sometimes does in, in talking about uh, his, his sense and his feeling, and, and, and from the early days of the administration, uh, you know, receiving that sort of military intelligence and uh, getting, um, getting a good look at what kind of role Iran is playing as a disruptor in the Middle East region. And it's, uh, it was a very timely interview over the weekend because um, overnight in Baghdad, Iraq, not far from where the U.S. Embassy sits inside the green zone in Baghdad, you had a rocket um, land there. And um, so Iran was suspected of being behind it or supporting this sort of attack. And uh, you had the, the president then on Twitter um, early this morning or late last night saying, if Iran wants to fight... Uh, this will be the end of Iran. He said, don't threaten the United States again. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, some pretty strong words from the president. And, of course, just in the last 10 days or so, the Trump administration had directed an aircraft carrier group uh, to the Persian Gulf region. There have been some Saudi and other ships that have been um, harassed and targeted by Iranian-backed um, you know, uh, Iranian-backed militia and other supporters of the Iranian regime. So things have kind of, you know, the tensions have bubbled up a little bit in that region, and the president is uh, standing firm right now. Plus, there are still Americans imprisoned in Iran. 
Absolutely there are, and the president has said, look, he would prefer not to have war or any sort of military conflict. He would he would welcome a call <laughs> from the, the leaders in Tehran <laughs> so that they could work out diplomatically. It's it really reminiscent of his approach, for example, with Kim Jong-un in North Korea. He says, hey, look, you know, it would be better if we could be talking, um, but he doesn't think that they're going to be talking right now because they, they, they've been pretty... Um, you know, pretty strong. Iran has the regime has not the Iranian people, but the but the regime has been sturdy, pretty forcefully uh, against the United States government for some time. But the president's still holding out hope that uh, there can be uh, the avoidance of any sort of military conflict. Greg Clugston, SRN News, with us. Only a couple minutes left, Greg. I want to come back to the domestic side. I, I was surprised to read in the president's Twitter feed over the weekend, maybe it was last night, where he started to get angry with Fox News. Uh, you want to talk yeah. about that? I mean, Fox News has been seen whether fairly or unfairly, as the ultimate ally for him in media circles. Right. He was upset that um, Pete Buttigieg, who is one of the Democratic candidates, he's the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, and he's sort of in the upper tier of the polling right now among Democratic candidates. And he had a town hall on Fox, and the president was uh, saying it's hard to believe that Fox News is wasting time (laughs) by putting... Um, by by putting him on the air with with anchor Fox News anchor Chris Wallace, and uh, it's it's really interesting because he says Fox is moving more and more to the losing wrong side in covering the Democrats, <laughs> and so oh, I bet you journalists this, love to read that. Yeah, oh my goodness, yeah. I, where do you begin on that? Um, I mean, he, he's basically treating uh, he's he's treating the Fox Network as his as his own channel. Uh, which, of course, critics and even some supporters might acknowledge is the case a lot of the times, or at least some of the time. But he's, he, it's almost like he's giving program direction to the management at Fox to say, hey, uh, I thought I'm your guy. Why are you even covering uh, the other side of the political aisle? So that was a very interesting tweet from Donald Trump. Right, which longtime correspondent for Fox, Britt Hume, did not take uh, too lightly. I don't know if you saw his response, but he said, well, at least Buttigieg is willing to sit there and listen to Chris Wallace's questions, which is more than you've done. Uh, yeah, oh, I, I guess I, I did miss that uh, rebuttal yeah. there from, from Brett Hume. Yeah, I, you know, there are any, there are any number of um, good um, journalists at Fox News, um, but, you know, they certainly have a lot of personalities and a lot of partisan opinion-making programming, just like CNN and MSNBC, sure, sure. MSNBC do. Um, but that, you know, that, that kind of comment, though, from Donald Trump would help. really, um, yeah, it, it wouldn't sit well with somebody like a Brit Hume or a Chris Wallace and, and any number of other people, but it was very interesting nonetheless. It's always interesting, Greg. <laughs> That's why we love to have you here. That's Greg Clugston, SRN News White House correspondent, because I'm telling you people, there's never a dull moment with this president. Much more coming up next. We're going to talk about Illinois Republicans. You know what they want to do? They want to separate Chicago from the rest of Illinois. Turkey and stuffing, real mashed potatoes, sliced top round, Aunt Emma's broccoli casserole, chicken and gravy over buttermilk biscuits. Am I making you hungry yet? Hi, it's me, Marsha, from the Springhouse. Do you have a special event coming up in your life? A shower, a wedding, graduation party, company party, anniversary event, or any occasion where you'd love to serve all-natural, farm-fresh foods? Then it's time to give the Springhouse Catering Department a call at 724-228-3339. 
nine. From your first conversation with Dawn, who will help you create a menu that's unique to you, to the beautiful, bounteous setup and display that my sister Jill and her crew create, you will be delighted. After every catering event, Jill tells our cooks, I wish I could take you with me so you could hear all the wonderful comments guests give us. Give us a call at 724-228-3339 or check out our extensive menu at springhousemarket.com for farm-fresh catering from the Springhouse. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our to have and to hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HenneyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. Are you looking to grow your career with an advanced degree? With 100% online programs in regional centers in South Point, Cranberry, and Penn Center East, Waynesburg University has a program to fit your needs and your schedule. We offer flexible and affordable graduate programs in business, counseling, education, criminal investigation, and nursing, as well as degree completion programs in nursing, business, and criminal justice. Waynesburg University's programs will equip you with the knowledge and expertise needed to implement coursework into your daily work and grow your career. To learn more, visit waynesburg.edu. Zelle is an easy way to send money to friends and family right from your banking app. Not sure what to get someone for their birthday? Send them money with Zelle so they can buy whatever they want. Look for Zelle in your banking app or get more info at ZellePay.com. Zelle, this is how money moves. Dentistry, in my opinion, shouldn't be a fear-inducing experience. And it really, I think, goes a long way for patients when I'm able to develop that one-on-one relationship with them. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership, but not the Word FM Discount Shopping Club. No, in our club, you save as much as half. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more. All from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to wordfm.com slash shopping. And I'll see you at the club. Thank you. Hardly cloudy and much cooler tonight, going down to a low of 44 degrees for tomorrow. Partly sunny, a cooler afternoon, high 65. Partly cloudy tomorrow night with lows right around 50. Then we do turn warmer again on Wednesday with intervals of clouds and sunshine. There'll be a shower or thunderstorm around the area during the afternoon hours. Wednesday's high, 77 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. Mike, where's my garbage can? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't touch it. Did you? Yeah, you touched. You had to have. I didn't who's, take it. Who's coming into my studio and taking the garbage you can? Know, the weekenders come in here, and they just is that just, what it is? Should I blame yeah. it on the weekenders. They, you know, they take the, uh, the cell phone chargers. They move around the trash cans. There's you like know. little. There's like little studio pixies yeah. in here. They come in. They're tiny people, and maybe they just run off with all the stuff that I want. <laughs> I lost my good pen last week. Anyway, but thanks to you, Mike. Yeah, I have a heater in here. Oh, you you are welcome. Because it's like forty five degrees in yeah. our studios today. For crying out loud, feels like it. Okay, listen to this absolutely nutty story. This is making me laugh. This is from Fox News Today. Story by Adam Shaw. Illinois Republicans unhappy at the influence the Democrat-controlled city of Chicago holds over the state are looking to try to get rid of Chicago in the state 
all together. <laughs> oh. I mean, you think I'm joking, but I'm I'm serious. Okay, so this uh, this outlet called Pew Trust Stateline reports that a resolution calling on Congress to declare Chicago America's 51st state. Wow! Now has eight Republican co-sponsors. Jeez. Okay, so. Here's the deal. Most of Illinois, as I understand it, is Republican and and relatively conservative. But Chicago is where all the money is, where all the right. political power is, and where all the Democrats are. And so the 90% of Illinois is annoyed with the 10% that's making all the decisions, getting all the cash, and developing all the policy. I feel like that's with most states, it is, Right. I mean, look at Philadelphia yeah. here in Pennsylvania. Right. I mean, look... You think New York isn't like that with New York City? Oh, my gosh. I mean, good. But I haven't seen other states that have won. Now, this is an actual, this is a serious move. Okay. Um, It says, quote, our traditional family values seem to be under attack at every angle, said Representative Brad Hallbrook. He says, we're trying to drive the discussion to get people at the table to say these are not our values, quote, down here. The bill notes a $221 million bailout for the city's pension system last year that, of course, made national news and also said that the majority of residents in downstate Illinois disagree with city of Chicago residents on key issues such as gun ownership, abortion, immigration, and other policy issues. Okay, so this is clearly a long shot. Um Even some Republicans who are sponsoring the bill have said it's more of an expression of frustration rather than a deeply rooted desire to actually boot the city out of the state. However, I did a little bit of research and look at this. There's a precedent here because did you know that at one point Maine was a part of Massachusetts? What? Really? Did you know that? No. Maine was a part of Massachusetts. They got hacked off with Massachusetts and they said, we're going off on our own. How about that? Yep. And did you know that West Virginia was part of Virginia? Yes, I did know that. Well, see? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it could happen. I could. It could actually happen. I remember when Obama was in office, Texas wanted to be like its own right. country. Well, believe me, I was just in Texas a month ago. <laughs> Texas still wants to be its of own country. <laughs> All right. Coming up next, how to call Christians out on Twitter. Is there any way that we can do it well? That's next with Dr. Thomas Kidd from Baylor. So the only thing really keeping you from enrolling your children in Christian school is sports? Trinity Christian School answers that concern with boys' soccer, girls' volleyball, and track for boys and girls. A well-rounded Christian education with the sports opportunities you want? Now that sounds really good. Trinity Christian School, ranked among the top K-12 schools in Allegheny County at trinitychristian.net. 101.5 WORD. Only 20% of Americans say they're in the perfect job for their personality. Are you one of those? On the next Focus on the Family, Cynthia Tobias explains how to figure out your God-given strengths and abilities, and then how to use those well for the kingdom. That's next time on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Tonight at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. Jen had a very busy day today really busy. First, she dropped her kids off at daycare. Then she had a few minutes before yoga class for a coffee. Small latte, please. And then she saved a few lives. Nurse, two units, one, an injured child. 
another a cardiac patient, and then a premature baby. All because Jen logged on to bloodsciencefoundation.org and made a financial donation. There, done. You see, local blood donors provide only about half of what is needed to treat patients. The other half has to be purchased and relies on financial donations from people like you and Jen. Ooh, cake pops. So, what have you done today? To make a financial donation that saves lives, visit bloodsciencefoundation.org. Blood Science Foundation, giving from the heart. You can really save time and energy by using Walmart's grocery pickup and delivery. To start, use the Walmart grocery app or order online. Pickup is free and can be at an exact time. There's a small fee for delivery, but you can pick the one-hour window you want. And Walmart staff selects the best items for you, no matter what it is. Fresh foods, bulk items, doesn't matter. There's a money-back satisfaction guarantee. And you can use the code WOWFRESH for $10 off on $50 or more. It's totally a great service. Walmart grocery pickup and delivery. It's quick, easy, and convenient. Things would happen in church that you weren't allowed to laugh. Word FM presents... Things were happening, and we had to pretend like it wasn't happening. Ladies' Night Out with writer, comedian, and playwright Sherry Lynn. sister got up and she mined to a Yolanda Adams song, and it was beautiful. It's a night out for the girls. As she was miming and she was twirling, her wig came off. June 21st at the Bible Chapel. I have not seen the type of power or anointing that could make us forget your hairs on the floor. Get early bird admission now through May 31st at wordfm.com. You have to be a hearty soul to be on Twitter these days. I guess it's the same with every social media platform. But I think particularly because Twitter attracts those who have uh, interest or work in public policy or media or theology, um, areas that tend to be I kind of have a, an intellectual uh, bent or encouraged debate, uh, people are mean. I just oftentimes when I see people, especially in the Christian sphere, because that's largely who I follow on Twitter, not only, of course, but largely, I I am consistently disturbed by how poorly people treat brothers and sisters in Jesus. I, I, I understand disagreement. I understand doctrinal difference. I do not understand jerk behavior. And that's a lot of what I see on Twitter. Well, I'm not the only one who's seeing it on Twitter because Dr. Thomas Kidd is seeing it as well. Distinguished professor of history and associate director of the Institute for Studies of Religion at Baylor University. His books include American Colonial History, Clashing Cultures and Faith, Baptist in America History, Patrick Henry First Among Patriots, and his newest Benjamin Franklin, The Religious Life of a Founding Father. Tom, haven't talked in a long time. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. Isn't it depressing sometimes? I mean, you get on Twitter and you think, really? Yeah, it, it sure is. It's depressing. And I think any of us who spend a lot of time on there wonder sometimes why we are on Twitter. Yeah, because you think, I'm doing this voluntarily. You know, my boss doesn't make me. That's right. That's right. And and I have to say, I mean, there are a lot of good things about Twitter and social media in, in general. I mean, I, I've been able to make contacts with uh, you know, readers and pastors and, and, and people who are just interested in the kind of stuff that I do really all over the world. I mean, I, you know, I can be in touch with a pastor in Australia that I never would have met any other 
way. So there, are, I mean, there are good things about it, but it has some pretty significant downsides too. Yeah, and I guess it's not the medium. I mean, for sure, it's not the medium. The problem is that the medium is just showing what's actually in our hearts and minds, which just tells everyone that we're all in a dark place. That's right. I mean, I think it, it with with certain people and, and all of us that are worst on social media, it brings out uh, sinful tendencies that are, that are there. I, I mean, I think that Twitter and other kinds of social media also put people sort of right in your face in a, you know, in an electronic way in, in ways that people wouldn't have before. And I mean, even in, in earlier forms of electronic media, I mean, it's pretty rare for me, for instance, to get somebody sending me that I don't know, sending me angry emails. I mean, it, it happens, you know, sometimes, but, but people just don't seem to be willing to uh, directly confront people in the same way, say, over email as they are on social media. And I think there's just something about the sort of, you know, carnival kind of feel of it and the way that it, it closes the connection between you and other people just right up in your face and allows whoever wants to in the world to just say anything they want to about you. So, Tom, you're a historian, and so you did what any respectable historian would do. You disliked what you saw on Twitter, and you thought, no, wait, if we were all living hundreds of years ago and we were believers, how would we be acting? So you went back to actual conflicts that people had throughout church history. Tell us how they handled them. Well, you know, the people who call out other Christians on social media, and I I know I've done some of this myself, you know, can can look back historically and say, well, well, look, I mean, there's a long history in church. I mean, in, in the Bible, you look at, uh, you know, Paul confronting P- Peter. I mean, you know, and he, it says that, he, that Paul confronted Peter to his face in front of everyone, right? And and you go through church history, you know, Martin Luther tacking up the 95 Theses and you know, most of the people that we look back to uh, and admire in church history probably have some episode of public controversy and maybe even calling out other Christians, uh, usually in print in, in their time. But so the, the lesson there is that it's not as if there's no time when we shouldn't call out other Christians or at least people who are saying that they're Christians um, in a public way. That that can be done, but I think that, you know, Twitter is, is often, uh, we do it in the wrong way at the wrong time for the mm-hmm. wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so before, and you know, I think this so often, I don't weigh in very much on Twitter. I use it morally, more as just an information gathering tool. Um, but every time I go to tweet something, That's not, you know, about the pirates or about, you know, my least favorite song of all time, which is something we're going to be talking about in tomorrow's show. You know, something ridiculous like that. I think now, wait a minute. Would I be willing to say this to that person's face if they were sitting right here? I mean, that's the number one question, right? Would I be willing to do that? That's right. I mean, that's that's a great way to uh, to think about it. And and I I do think that the face to face relationships we have are almost invariably uh, kinder uh, and, and more gentle. And, and I mean, that there I definitely have relationships with people uh, where if I didn't have a pre-existing friendship with them, 
um, either I or they, would, we would have totally alienated one another by now. Mm-hmm. And that's right. about the only way I know to, to sustain relationships in that kind of context is, you know, if you have that kind of pre-existing relationship that you want to uh, preserve. Otherwise, it's, it's often just, you know, just rank alienation from people. Dr. Thomas Kidd's with me, Distinguished Professor of History and Associate Director of the Institute for Studies of Religion at Baylor University. We're talking about how Christians can call each other out on Twitter. Tell us the story, Tom, of years ago when an acquaintance of yours took exception to something you said in one of your books. Yeah, and and, uh, this is somebody, I do call him an acquaintance because we, we weren't necessarily friends. I don't think I've ever actually met this person face to face. Um, but he read one of my books and took exception to something I had said about one of the founding fathers. Um, and he uh, sent me an email um, and made it pretty clear that he wasn't very happy with me. Um, and if he had said what he said on Twitter, I think it probably would have been a good bit more inflammatory because it would have been so public. But he, he said what he said totally in private. Um, it, was, it was pretty candid with me uh, that he wasn't, he wasn't happy with me. Um, and I tried as best I could to answer his question and, and, you know, sort of affirm I can see why you might be concerned about this, but here's some more information you might know. And we exchanged two or three emails. And by the end of it, I think we had reached, you know, an understanding about why I said what I said. And I, I kind of realized, you know, I probably said that in a, in a, in a bit of a blunt way in my book. Um, but we've been able to uh, stay in touch since then. And mm. this person uh, emails me occasionally about questions that he has about the Founding Fathers. And, I, I you know, now I kind of consider this person a sort of friend slash acquaintance that I'm able to, you know, help on historical issues. And I, I think that's kind of a great outcome, especially in our angry social media culture. And the question is, Tom, would that ending ever have happened if it would have started with him calling you out on Twitter? I don't think so. I, I, I think there's no chance because I would have been irritated with him. Um, you know, I like, you know, lots of people can be pretty touchy about people, you know, questioning my expertise and that, that sort of thing on, on Twitter. It gets personal very quickly. Um, so I think that's a great example of, you know, somebody who handled it privately um, you know, definitely didn't hold back about his irritation about about this subject, but because he handled it privately, we were able to preserve the relationship. Tom, with all the thinking that you have done about this, and I've seen your tweets periodically where you've brought up these issues, you know, is this really the best way we could be handling this? Is there really no better uh, medium we could come up with to discuss this issue? Uh, You've thought of three different things that we could ask ourselves before we post something that has the potential to be inflammatory. Yeah, I mean, one of them is is definitely the, you know, would I say this to them personally, face-to-face, and often the answer is no. Another one is to think about, you you know, am I the right person to be Mm -hmm. uh, calling them out? I mean, do you have any particular expertise in this in this area, I mean, is this is this sort of your lane? Uh, you, you know, I, I I tend not to call people out much uh, on theological subjects because I'm a historian. You know, I mean, that, that's just not it's theology, especially technical theology, is not really my area. 
And then I, I think thinking about, um, you know, if you're wanting to call somebody out, asking why you want to do this and, and what you're looking to get out of mm-hmm. it. And I think so often, this this maybe is the most important one to me, it's so rare that by calling people out that we convince the other person. I mean, that, that almost never happens. And so if that's if that's the case, then what actually are you looking to accomplish? And and like I said, maybe it's that you're just trying to warn people about this person has, you know, bad beliefs or something like that. You know, occasionally there is a time to do that. But we shouldn't deceive ourselves into thinking, oh, I'm going to change their mind. Right. Because that almost never happens. Right. I mean, how often have you seen someone, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter or whatever it is, say, oh, my gosh, now that I read your fourth tweet, I see where you're coming from. I totally get it. You're right. <laughs> it almost never – it usually makes things worse. Right. I mean, I, now, occasionally I do think that, that we – maybe are reminded that this is a more sensitive issue than we knew um, if, we're, if we're really try, you know, trying to be mature about these things. But usually calling people out, it, it just exacerbates the problem, it makes the differences more bitter, and it often can just uh, alienate relationships. So, you know, if that's not what you're looking for, then I don't think you should try calling people out on Twitter. Right. So just maintain your silence, and maybe you'll be happier, and so will all the rest of us who follow you. <laughs> all right, Tom. So good to talk to you. This is an excellent. This is yeah. This is an excellent reminder, people. Whatever we're doing online and social media, remember whose you are. That'll change how you talk. She has a way of communicating to you what's going on and correcting you with you actually wanting to do it. With Dr. Megan Stock, exceptional dental care can be habit-forming. Personally, I was doing some habits that I could have gotten better at, and I never really felt motivated to change before. And then after meeting with Dr. Megan, she said it in such a nice way that it's like, oh, well, maybe I should start doing these things. It changed some of my habits because of her. So it's pretty cool. Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Hey, it's John Hall. So a while back, the folks at MyPillow said, Hey, John, can you try out a MyPillow and let us know what you think? I was skeptical. I mean, it's a pillow. But what did I have to lose, right? I'll tell you what I lost. Interrupted sleep. No more folding the pillow in half. No more flat, lifeless pillows. It changed my life. So I'm letting you know, you need my pillow. Well, not my actual pillow, but your own MyPillow. It stays cool all night long. No more waking up at 3 a.m. to flip to the cool side of the pillow. It keeps its shape. No more reshaping your pillow in the middle of the night. It comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Try it. Don't like it? Return it. My pillow comes with a 10-year warranty. Do you have a pillow that comes with a 10-year warranty? You can toss a my pillow into your washer and dryer. It's like new again. Get a two-pack of my pillows premiums for $69.98. That's only $34.99 per pillow, the lowest price ever offered on radio or TV. This offer is only available at mypillow.com or call 800 391 Use promo code WORD. Today's world craves leaders. Leaders with vision, moral character, and independent thinking. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And since 1986, Rama Christian School in Moon has laid the foundation that makes leaders. 
courses through academic and extracurricular activities designed to be as instructional as they are competitive through mission and service opportunities, arts and athletics, an independent school where pre-K through 8th grade students are formed to become the independent leaders of tomorrow. Schedule a tour at ramachristianschool.org. Here is your new Pella Lifestyle window when open. Here it is. Close. The new Pella Lifestyle Series is the number one performing wood window and patio door for sound control, energy efficiency, and value. Keep the outside noise outside. More peace and better rest for your family. Exceptional noise control for a quieter home. For a limited time, get 50% off installation and 12 months no payments, no interest. Call 888-77-PELLA, PellaPittsburgh.com. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters, always a favorite. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, for the extreme in all of us. At ExtremeTruck.net. I'll be honest with you. The subject of sex trafficking is a subject I hate to talk about. It's a subject I hate to think about. But it was in the news today. And this story that I read in the PG is so important that I thought it was imperative that we bring it to air today. An undercover operation in Youngstown netted arrests of 16 men, including two from Butler County and one from Mercer County, that allegedly sought to sexually exploit children, according to the Ohio Attorney General's office. The investigation was carried out by the Mahoning Valley Human Trafficking Task Force, which is part of the AG's office, and the Ohio Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force. The agencies made the arrests last week. Now, let me say this. The Mahoning Valley Human Trafficking Task Force and the Ohio Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force are heroes. The work that these people are doing, and there are people that work for organizations like this in every state in the union, these people are heroes. The next thing I have to say is that they list the names of 16 men that were arrested, okay, and where they're from. So as they said, you know, Butler County, Mercer County, there's also, you know, Youngstown and Boardman, Ohio and East Liverpool, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the thing that jumped out at me. There are 16 men on this list. 11 of them are age 30 or younger, 30 or younger, 11 out of 16. And you know, I thought to myself, I'm not saying this based on research. I'm not saying this because I've done a, you know, some kind of deep dive and figuring out exactly how this task force works. But I'm saying that internet pornography is a scourge in our country. It is a scourge in our country. And for people who are age 30 or younger, it has devastated man after man after man after man. And we are looking at children who are being exploited by adults. And the reason that it's happening is, A, because of the darkness of the human heart, and B, because there is a Satan and there is an enemy. But number three, because we have allowed this stuff to fester and grow on the Internet, and we have allowed there to be way too much freedom for our kids in looking at stuff 
Look, if your kid has a phone, are you paying for that phone? And if you're paying for that phone, then you should be on that phone finding out what they're looking at. Especially, and I look, you can get on me and say it can be as much girls as it can be guys. I know that's the case, but we also know that girls and guys are different. To me, it's a bigger problem for guys. 11 out of 16 men who were arrested are age 30 or less. Look, I feel like this is a crisis. And I feel like if the church isn't willing to talk about pornography, and I don't mean like in some back room somewhere. I mean, are there people who are willing to get up in front of the church that you go to and say, hi, my name is Bob and I have a problem with pornography, that I feel like there's something wrong with your church because there are men in your church who have a problem with pornography and there are women in your church that have a problem with pornography. I'm so happy to say over the last, I don't know, three or four years, we've probably had, I don't know, five different men get up and give their testimony regarding pornography. That is because it's a scourge. That's because we're weak people. And that's because we need to be forgiven. Look, this is a real issue that needs real conversation. If we're not willing to talk about it, it's not going to get any better. All right, please join us for the next hour. We've got a lot coming up. We're going to talk about Rowan Williams, the Archbishop of Canterbury, and the Apostles' Creed with Al Mohler. That's in the 5 o'clock hour on The Ride Home. Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Ron DeRockstra. President Trump leaves Washington in just a little bit to head to north-central Pennsylvania, where he'll headline a Make America Great Again rally tonight. Recovery efforts resumed today following severe storm that swept through a small Louisiana town over the weekend. As Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards toured Ville Platte, a small community about 75 miles outside Baton Rouge, following yesterday's early morning storm where a possible tornado damaged or destroyed at least 50 homes and businesses, safety was top of his mind. Quite often in these types of natural disasters, uh, when that's the case, we will have a serious accident or uh, even a fatality when individuals go out and start to clean up. He adds that, thankfully, no lives were lost. Ashley Godot, who was in bed at the time her home was ravaged by the storm, tells KATC-TV she's lucky to be alive. How am I even standing here? We probably shouldn't even be standing in here. I'm Matt Small. This is SRN News. As parents, you're dedicated to seeing your kids live out God's call for their lives, to enter adulthood with discernment, integrity, biblical values, and the ability to thrive in work that's meaningful, to not only make wise and faithful decisions, but defend them as well. At Cornerstone Prep in West Mifflin, pre-K through 12th grade students thrive in an environment that fosters biblical discipleship and authentic education. Cornerstone Prep, ready for life at cornerstoneprep.net. Jen had a very busy day today. Really busy. First, she dropped her kids off at daycare. Then she had a few minutes before yoga class for a coffee. Small latte, please. And then she saved a few lives. Nurse, two units, one, an injured child, another, a cardiac patient, and then a premature baby. All because Jen logged on to BloodScienceFoundation.org and made a financial donation. There, done. You see, local blood donors provide only about half of what is needed to treat patients. The other half has to be purchased and relies on financial donations from people like you and Jen. Ooh, 
pops. So, what have you done today? To make a financial donation that saves lives, visit bloodsciencefoundation.org. Blood Science Foundation, giving from the heart. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-444-2013. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes, are overweight, or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance to buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you all you need to do is call big lou at 800-444-2013 lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor call 800-444-2013 big lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford remember big lou's like you He's on meds, too. Call 800-444-2013. 800-444-2013. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership. But not the Word FM Discount Shopping Club. No, in our club, you save as much as half. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more. All from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to wordfm.com slash shopping. And I'll see you at the club. Thank you. The Ride Home with John and Kathy. Driven by Calusi Chevrolet. Serving the Pittsburgh area for over 100 years. Partly cloudy and much cooler tonight. Going down to a low of 44 degrees for tomorrow. Partly sunny, a cooler afternoon, high 65 Partly cloudy tomorrow night with lows right around 50. Then we do turn warmer again on Wednesday with intervals of clouds and sunshine. There'll be a shower or a thunderstorm around the area during the afternoon hours. Wednesday's high, 77 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Welcome in. So happy you're with me for this afternoon on The Ride Home. My name is Kathy Emmons. My honor partner, John Hall, taking a day off. So we are sadly without him, but I'm happily joined by new Mike. Mike, greetings to you, my friend. Greetings. Hello, everybody. Happy Monday to you. Happy Monday to you as well. Mike, you and I have talked uh, at length about student loan debt. Oh, they're so fun. (laughs) Now, you have student loan debt, and of course, uh, it requires a lot of diligence, not just to pay it, but to figure out a way to negotiate your payment so that you can live with it. Right, right. There's so many different types of payment plans out there. And uh, you also have to be careful with a a lot of scammers that try to uh, email you and um, say you can get on this specific type of plan and they end up taking your money. Um, You have to be careful with that. But you're you're right. You have to pay a a lot of attention. You have to have a lot of due diligence and and budgeting, um, especially if you you marry into debt Mm -hmm. um, with your debt on top of your wife's debt. Um, But yeah. But yeah, it's it it can be really challenging at times, especially if you want to get a new house, if you want to get married, um, it can gridlock you. Yeah, it can. And what about when you hear 
18 year olds who are graduating from high school who are ready to, you know, go to CMU and yeah. pay 60 grand. Right. I mean, if, if, if I, if I can tell them anything, I would say go to community college first and just get that out of the, get the generic classes out of the way. You're still getting a good education at a, as a, at a reasonably uh, low price and you can transfer those anywhere pretty much nowadays um, instead of because it's impossible to figure at that age what that kind of debt right. could do to you it, it really is I mean I was I was I was 19 when I went to college and I got out um, when I was 23 yeah and I didn't know that it, it, it hit me all of a sudden I, you're you're okay for the first six months and then all of a sudden uh, the payments start start coming in and you're like oh my goodness how did this happen how did this happen Where right I mean, you you know it's there. It's just it's 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 good to know. It's good if I were to do it all again, and if I could give anybody advice, sit with a financial advisor while in college. If you're going to go, if you know you're going to go into student loan debt, mm-hmm. because and just try to imagine yeah. so, or plan and get your yes. get a handle on what's coming. Yes, exactly. And yeah. wouldn't it be even better? If you did it before you went to college, oh, be, so yes. that you could make the right decisions. Exactly. You, right? Okay. Well, you're going to love this story. A billionaire technology investor and philanthropist who was speaking at commencement on Sunday morning at Morehouse College. Do you know what he said when he was there? What did he say? He was paying the student loan debt of every graduating <laughs> senior. Oh my god! <laughs> Listen to this, Robert F. Smith made the announcement yesterday while addressing nearly 400 graduating seniors of Morehouse College, the all-male historically black school in Atlanta. Uh, Smith is the founder and CEO of Vista Equity Partners, which is a private equity firm that invests in software, data, and technology-driven companies. This is what he said. No one had any idea. That's crazy. He says, quote, On behalf of the eight generations of my family that have been in this country, we're going to put a little fuel in your bus. Oh, my goodness. This is my class, 2019, and my family is making a grant to eliminate their student loans. Wow. The announcement elicited stunned looks from faculty and students alike before the graduates broke into the biggest cheers of the morning. Morehouse College said it is the largest gift ever to their institution. Now, this guy, Robert Smith... Received an honorary doctorate from Morehouse during the ceremony and had already announced he was giving a million and a half dollars to the school. But no one had any idea that he was going to do anything in relation to the student debt. He's going to be paying an estimated $40 million. $40 million. $40 million. Yeah. Uh, Smith said he expected the recipients to, quote, pay it forward and said he hoped that, quote, every class has the same opportunity going forward. Um, now, this is a great this is a great story. In the weeks before graduating from Morehouse on Sunday, 22-year-old finance major Aaron Mitchum drew up a spreadsheet to calculate how long it would take him to pay back his $200,000 in student loans. 25 years at half his monthly salary. Oh, yeah. Okay. I believe it. In an instant, that number vanished. (laughs) And you know what? The kid started to cry. Of course he did. 
I can delete the spreadsheet, he kept saying. I can delete the spreadsheet. He said, I don't have to live off peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Uh. I am shocked. My heart dropped. We all cried. In a moment, it was like the burden had been taken off. His mother, Tina, was also shocked because, listen to this, eight family members, including his 76-year-old grandma, took turns over four years co-signing on the loans that got him across the finish line. It takes a village, his mom said. It now means he can start paying it forward and start closing this gap a lot sooner, giving back to the college and thinking about a succession plan for his younger siblings. How about that? That's amazing news. David, no, not David, Robert F. Smith, an estimated $40 million gift to Morehouse College. Okay, so it got me thinking about a couple things. I was on Twitter shortly after I heard the story, and I saw Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez weighed in. This is what she said. She said, it's important to note that people shouldn't be in a situation where they depend on a stranger's enormous act of charity for this kind of liberation to begin with. Let me say that again. She said, it's important. People shouldn't be in a situation where they depend on some stranger's act of charity for this kind of liberation. Now, here's the thing. I really feel like she's got this all wrong. The beauty of a gift like this is that it's voluntary generosity. Right. Now, what she's advocating is that government should just pay for uh, college education for everybody. Which but can't this, happen. It can't happen. First of all, we could never afford that. But second of all, there is something beautiful about a gift. No one compelled Robert F. Smith to do this. It was not compulsory. He did it because he wanted to. That's why it's called a gift. And right. that's why it's so remarkable. That's why we're talking about it. That's why it makes people cry because he didn't have to and he still did. The other thing is that giving like this is a sacrifice. And that's also what makes it lovely. And I know he's a millionaire, but he could have done a lot of different things with $40 million. He could have invested that. He could have, right. He could have given it to his kid. He could have right. given it to his, whatever. But he chose to give $40 million to a bunch of kids he didn't. So cool. No. And that's a sacrifice for him. And it's so lovely to see. Yeah. And giving is contagious. When we see people like that who are generous, we want to be generous. I mean, don't you hear that story and don't you want to give something to somebody? Oh, yeah. There's something about the community of people that we see someone who's made the right choice and you think, oh, gosh, I want to do that. I want to find somebody I can do that with. I was so thrilled to hear the story this morning because I fully expect that other people are going to follow suit. We need role models. Mm -hmm. We all influence each other. And a gift like this is one of the best influences that you'll find. Amen. Another thing, gifts induce gratefulness. A grant from a government is never going to do that right these students are going to be different people going forward and aoc says this she said um she says it's going to be interesting to see and this is true to follow these students and compare their life choices with their peers over the next 10 or 15 years i think she's right about that i think these students will be different over 10 or 15 years but it's not because of the cash it's because somebody gave it to them as a gift If it was a grant they got from the government, it would be something that was faceless. It just comes from an entity, and it's something that's expected. But these students are going to think of the face of this man, Robert F. Smith, and they're going to want to do something. They're going to want to weigh in. They're going to want to be better, and they're going to want to be bigger because someone decided to do that for him, for them. And the last thing I want to say is that this man had capacity. 
The reason that capitalism is the best system there is, and it's not perfect, but the reason there's the best system, it, the reason it is the best system that there is, is because it allows people to create capacity. And if you're looking for goodness, goodness is not just found with poor people. Goodness is found with rich people who have capacity, who have a heart for others and want to give. So we should be encouraging people to develop small businesses, to work hard in the business field, to work hard in medicine and in law and in technology and whatever it is so they can create capacity so that they can help other people and they can take their personal funds and they can make a difference with someone who needs it. So three cheers for Robert F. Smith, this year's commencement speaker and giver of $40 million to the students at Morehouse College. Are you getting close to retirement? Have you experienced a nice bump in your portfolio? I mean, we know that the market goes up, and unfortunately, we also know it goes down. Don't risk your retirement to market whims. Learn how you can lock in those gains today by spending time with the team at Marley Financial. Now, Todd Marley and the experts at Marley Financial can help you design a retirement plan that's bulletproof against the market's ups and downs. The team at Marley Financial uses a multitude of different techniques to make sure you have a retirement that's tax-friendly, stable, and worry-free. Oh, and speaking of taxes, did you know that Marley Financial can handle them too. With all the changes in the tax laws, be sure you're taking advantage of the best possible deduction and make sure you know what adjustments to make for your overall financial picture going forward. So call today for a no obligation consultation to see just how for 25 years the clients at Marley Financial have never had a retirement plan fail. So give them a call today, 724-884-1496. 884-1496 or visit them online at marleyfg.com. 101.5 WORD. Hundreds of years before Jesus died on the cross, God wrote through his prophet Isaiah a more vivid description of his son's crucifixion than is found anywhere else in the Bible. I'm Steve Sweats, inviting you to join us on Through the Bible this week as we study Isaiah 53 and gain a new and intimate perspective on Jesus' great sacrifice and God's amazing love for each one of us. Through the Bible, this evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. How does Eden Christian Academy prepare students for success? Through education that ignites the mind and inspires the spirit from pre-K through 12th grade, through 47 state-certified full time teachers and opportunities in sports, the arts, and service to the community with results like SAT scores 200 points over the national average. Schedule a tour at any of Eden's three North Hills campuses and see what the area's largest non-denominational Christian school has to offer at EdenChristianAcademy.org. Share, like, comment, tweet. Are these foreign terms to your business? They may not be to your competition and the reason you're losing sales. We're Salem Surround. We take the mystery of digital marketing off your shoulders, letting you run your business while we deliver customers. We offer a free analysis of your digital marketing effectiveness and suggest methods that could dramatically increase your sales. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Creation Fest 2019 is coming. Join us with your family and friends for a weekend of worship like no other. Over 70 artists like Skillet. Song Worship, Crowder, Elevation Worship, Carrie Joe, 10th Avenue North, and Mendisa, as well as over 15 speakers like Bob Legs, Reggie Dabbs, and David Nasser. 
Be a part of the creation worship experience set in the beautiful mountains of central Pennsylvania. Go to creationfest.com to find out more. That's creationfest.com. We know that the last word does not belong to the merchants of zero-sum games, to those who talk for victory and for the humiliation and silencing of the other. When that happens, as it does so much in our increasingly insane political world, fueled by the infantilism that flourishes in corners of the online community, we can be sure that people have turned their backs on any hope of a shared world. And this, in turn, means that they have turned their backs on the idea that there's a truth and a hope more solid than anything an individual ego can sustain. And the world shrinks to the scale of my own experience, my own conviction, and my own drive for power. We desperately need cultures and institutions of shared meaning that allow space for patient talking and listening, because they let us see something of a horizon that is not just yours or not just mine, For us as Christians, it's quite simply the space into which the mystery of God invites us. That sacred space that isn't anyone's property, but is somewhere where unlikely people can find a home together. Those are the words of Rowan Williams. And boy, there is so much advice and beauty and statements of truth in a brand new book called In Conversation, which is Rowan Williams and my next guest, Greg Garrett. Greg is professor of English at Baylor University and theologian in residence at the American Cathedral in Paris. Greg has penned a whole bunch of books, including memoir, fiction, nonfiction, and translation, including My Church is Not Dying, Episcopalians in the 21st Century. Greg, it's so good to talk to you. Welcome back. Oh, thanks, Kathy. Great to hear your voice. What a beautiful quote uh, captured by Rowan Williams. This is a fascinating, fascinating set of books um, that is coming out. And I'm so happy, Greg, that you were invited to be a part of this. Talk about how you were contacted and what your relationship with Rowan Williams is. Yes, and I'm so glad that you picked that to start us off with because it's one of, I think, the most beautiful things in the book. And it talks about that theological dimension of why conversation matters. Um, Rowan and I have been friends for a number of years, and I don't know if his name has ever come up in our past conversations, but one of the things that I tend to do every summer when I go uh, overseas to write is spend a day or two or three with him, Mm. and uh, that has been going on since he was Archbishop of Canterbury, uh, head of the the Church of England and the Anglican Communion around the world. And um, what we did in those days, instead of talking about what we called the day job, uh, which is, I think, got to be one of the hardest jobs in the world. He described it as herding 80 million cats. Um, <laughs> we we would get together and we would talk about faith. We would talk about family. We would talk about literature and culture. Uh, he's a musician, as I am. He loves uh, Shakespeare and great novels and pop culture, all things that um, are, are really important to me. And uh, so we were asked to not write exactly, because this is this sort of strange book, which even though he and I have written a number of books, it is a, a basically a transcription of three days of conversation that we had last summer in Cambridge. And uh, we were asked to be a part of this series uh, of books, uh, which are basically two theologians who are good friends, 
uh, talking about the things that animate them and, and the ways that they understand the world and understand the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm more honored than I can say. I, I think of Rowan as one of the great theologians of our time, one of the great spiritual people of our time. Um, you would go a long way to find somebody with a, a more dynamic, more active prayer life. And so just to, to be able to be a part of um, this ongoing conversation has been an, an incredible joy. But now we feel like it is, as you were saying, a, a time where people don't seem to be having conversation. They're not talking to each other. They're talking past each other. And this is, I think, something that could model how we could have really good conversation where we talk about things that matter. Mm-hmm. Now, Greg, you know, we've talked over the years multiple times, usually about you two, which, of course, is, you know, our favorite, mm-hmm. my favorite thing to talk about. Not my favorite, but, you know, it's up, it's, it's up there. It's up there. It's up there. But when I when I read the conversation between you two, there are also things that you both love. I mean, this is not a conversation like a stilted thing where, you know, two theologians are debating finer points. This is just two interesting people who are talking about stuff. And I think that's what attracted me at first is it's just the kind of dialogue that I'm dying for because so much of what I see online is either I don't know it's really prescribed or it's just mean and nasty yes and when I think about social media and the way that we use it uh, when I think about the the kinds of I don't know divisions that there are in our culture between uh, people who express their faith differently or uh, understand politics differently or look at social issues differently it feels to me like we kind of closed ourselves off into bumper sticker discourse, and it's just like, here's what I believe, and I don't care what you believe, and I'm not going to listen to you, and I'm probably not going to treat you as somebody worthy of your full humanity. Mm-hmm, right. You know, this is my bumper sticker. I'm going to live and die on this bumper, and you've got your own bumper sticker. And you know what I think we forget, and what these conversations remind us is that you can be really, really different, and yet have so much in common and find those those areas of commonality. Now, Greg, this book covers all, I mean, everything from clinical depression to how to, you know, find answers in the Bible to whether Shakespeare is still valid to the idea of why stories matter to people or abortion or gun rights. I mean, it is it is incredibly wide, the swath that you guys cover. Um, but since Game of Thrones ended last night and all, yes. ten, and 10.7 million Americans, Greg, have decided not to go to work because they're just too tired. Um, it, it does make me think of the subject line story. And you and Rowan mm-hmm. talked about that and why story matters, why people by the droves are so drawn to epics like this. Yeah, and you know, over the years, you and I and John, uh, we've talked about some of the ways that that story is at the intersection of who we are and how we understand ourselves. And so, you know, this morning there's 10.2 million people uh, who are so upset by the way the story was told last night that they can't get their heads around the world. This this thing that they've been using to help make some sense of who they are and and what uh, political realities look like in this world and what heroism looks like, um, all of a sudden don't make sense because they don't like the way that the story was told. And that's a really interesting thing to say that this is, you know, it's a TV show, and it's largely for entertainment. And yet this show and the Avengers movie and, um, I mean, all sorts of artifacts from our culture um, are things that people, people of faith and people outside of faith 
use as, as ways to understand themselves because story is the way that we understand the world. It's the way we understand ourselves. It's the way we understand God because God chose to be incarnated in a human story. And so when our stories work for us, there's something transcendent and powerful. And when our stories fall apart, particularly in the last episode after 70-some others, um, people are having this sort of strange existential crisis today. And I, I don't in any way mean to belittle it. Um, my son is one of those. He texted me a while ago and said, I'm having a really hard time today. Is there anything you can say about last night's show that will help me feel better? <laughs> And for people that don't understand an investment in a story, they think, well, that's just stupid. Like that, that person, you know, you know, has no life whatsoever. But I am one of those people that identifies so strongly with a story. And I think that that, I don't know, that obsession I had with Lord of the Rings or Narnia or whatever it is when I was growing up, I really think that has helped me in looking at the Word of God as a story and and the life that we're living as a story. And I think that with when you ignore that type of narrative, it I think it injures us. I think it takes away a, a, some of our creative edge and the imagination that we need to recognize that this Bible that we have, this is a supernatural story that's been given to us. You know, and, and we have to read it like the beginning and the end fit together. Oh, Kathy, that's, that is so well put. You know, it makes me think about some conversations we've had over the years. Uh, there is a really solid theological understanding for why a story orients us back in the direction of God. Um, Augustine, who's after Rowan Williams, my favorite theologian, <laughs> talked about how whatever is true and beautiful is of the Lord. And, you know, he doesn't mean necessarily that uh, Game of Thrones is true and beautiful in the sense that it, it doesn't contain human beings acting reprehensibly, because it certainly does. But what he meant by that is that in some of these stories from secular culture, we are in some ways being invited into that mystery of truth and beauty, which is what God is at God's heart. And so I have always felt that when we have this really strong, powerful reaction to uh, a Lord of the Rings or a Chronicles of Narnia or a, a Game of Thrones, that we are responding to that part of, of God which is present, which is, uh, you know, filtered throughout creation. And uh, so that, that's the thing that really matters. And, and I think both Rowan and I are also really drawn to the Oxford Christians and their understanding, uh, Tolkien and uh, Lewis and, uh, and some of the others as well, that uh, it's in a really well-told story that we can understand something about God that we haven't known before. Yes. And, and, and that may be in a sacred story, and that's why we go to the Bible, because we want to read those stories and understand them and make them a part of ourselves. Um, but I remember C.S. Lewis used to talk about how a, a fantastic tale allows us to steal past the waking dragons of reason. Mm-hmm. So there's our, our game oh, that's a good line. That's today. such a good line. Well, well, from nuclear pacifism to, as I said, clinical depression, to the relationship between faith and power, to the ideas between political left and right, to how to write a book, to celebrating worship together. I mean, these are all the things that are covered by these two people. Greg, I wish I had more time to talk about it, but my time is up. Um, So this is a brand new book. It's called In Conversation. It's a series. This particular edition, Rowan Williams and my friend Greg Garrett. Greg, I can't thank you enough. Oh, Kathy, always a pleasure. Uh, please give my best to John, and I'll 
look forward to talking to you too again. I sure will. And after I get through more of the book, we'd love to have Greg Garrett back on so we can hear more of this fascinating conversation. So stay close. Coming up next, Dr. Albert Moeller with me. We're talking about his new project on the Apostles' Creed. Why does it still matter? A couple of days ago, I drove up to Grove City College to visit my son, who's a junior there. I'm hanging out in the boys' uh, dorms, which is always interesting, as you might imagine. But uh, look at the uh, posters of the activities of things that are coming around to Grove City on the wall. One of them is the the, uh, the Swing Dance Club presents the Blacklight Dance, wear neon swing dance with us. Right next to that is something called Kingdom Week, Grove City's Mission Conference, with three keynote speakers and uh, missional organizations, all that. And it struck me, uh, I mean, you might not find that at a lot of different universities, would you? I think that's what sets Grove City apart, John, is that you don't, I mean, you could find Christian schools that are super serious and pretty legalistic about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So you're supposed to go there and learn and really not have a good time. (laughs) Right. And then there are other schools you can go to that it seems like you don't have to learn anything. You certainly don't have to take any ethics seriously or any personal morality. You can just do whatever you want and, you know, drink and sleep around and whatever and and have a good time. But there has to be some happy medium there if we're hoping to to raise, you know, healthy adults, right? It should be fun. It's college. It should be fun. It should be interesting and engaging, but also a lot of fun. Right. But it shouldn't be no holds barred. You know, there needs to be some awareness of your character and where you are in the world and what you're, you know, what you're becoming as you're there on a college campus. So that's when I left Grove City at the end of the night. I was like... This boy is in a good mm-hmm. place. He is well-planted in rich soil. Yeah. So if you're looking for a school that combines what I think are the best of both worlds, um, great scholarship, great theology, and adding on just a really fun atmosphere for people to grow and become adults, then consider Grove City College. Find more online, gcc.edu. Stuck in an expensive timeshare contract and feel like there's no way out? I'm almost at $10,000 in four years. I've never traveled anywhere. They made this sound that this would be a really good deal, that I could go anywhere, anytime I wanted to. That never worked out. I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO of Wesley Financial Group. I've helped thousands of people get rid of their timeshares. I know all the tricks because I'm embarrassed to say I once worked in the timeshare industry. We've saved suffering timeshare owners millions in debt and maintenance fees. When you're approved as a client, I guarantee you a 100% success rate. We'll get you out of your timeshare, eliminate your payments, and get them off of your back permanently. I honestly would recommend that you call Wesley Financial. They will help you. Call Wesley Financial Group now for your free information kit. If they can't get you out of your timeshare, you'll pay nothing. Call 800-220-5757. 800-220-5757. That's 800-220-5757. Chris Tomlin is unveiling the song Good Good Five. Word FM presents right comedian and playwright Sherry Lynn. In a room full of Christian music broadcasters, two elderly black women will stand out. It's Ladies Night Out, June 21st at the Bible Chapel. My mom and them have begun to do what I call a Baptocostal rock. Hey! Goodbye, yeah! They didn't know whether to watch Chris Tomlin or Aretha Franklin and Patti LaBelle singing in the back. Get early bird admission through May 31st at wordfm.com. Partly cloudy and much cooler tonight, going down to a low of 44 degrees for tomorrow. Partly sunny, a cooler afternoon, high 65. Partly cloudy tomorrow night with lows right around 50. Then we do turn warmer again on Wednesday with intervals of clouds and sunshine. There'll be a shower or a thunderstorm around the area during the afternoon hours. Wednesday's high, 77 degrees. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. 
I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, whence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. That's Dr. Albert Moeller. He's been called one of America's most influential evangelicals and the reigning intellectual of the evangelical movement. Dr. Moeller is the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He writes a popular blog and a regular commentary at albertmoeller.com and hosts two podcasts. One is called The Briefing, and the second is called Thinking in Public. Dr. Moeller is the author of a bunch of books, including We Cannot Be Silent and The Prayer That Turned the World Upside Down. Dr. Moeller, I'm so glad you're here. I am really glad to be with you. Thank you. Now, Dr. Moeller, um, I've read your blog for years. Uh, you've been a guest on our show several times. And so, uh, you know, I want to talk about the Apostles' Creed, the book. I also want to talk about what it has to say about our current cultural climate because I really despair for the way that conversation has been halted in America, especially when we have two sides who disagree or even two people who aren't able to just, you know, acknowledge that there's a difference in conversation. So let's start with the creed. Um, you write that your church history professor required you to memorize the Apostles' Creed. And so had you, is it something you grew up saying? Were you familiar with it before? No, I, I was familiar with it. But I didn't really know it, and it wasn't a part of worship in uh, in the churches I grew up in. I, I uh, grew up in very traditional Baptist churches, and uh, th there really wasn't much attention uh, to a creed or confession of faith. All that began to change, by the way, when uh, when my own denomination faced a grave theological crisis. And when it faced that crisis, and thankfully, uh, when it affirmed biblical orthodoxy, it had to have words with which to do it. And uh, it discovered the need for a creed and confession pretty quickly. So isn't that funny? We think that oftentimes creeds and confessions are ancient things that we've kind of modernized out of, right? Until we reach a point where we think, oh my, we need to come up with what we actually believe and we don't know. Well, absolutely. You know, the creeds were not only boundary statements that uh, sought to establish what the true Christian faith is, they were also teaching uh, tools. This is how the faith was taught. And uh, and so in the churches that have used the Apostles' Creed, and there's some other uh, ancient creeds that also have a great deal of authority, uh, when you, uh, you recite the creed or you include it in worship, you are actually teaching people the great doctrines of the Christian faith, even how to say them, mm -hmm. even what it means to say, for example, that Jesus Christ right now sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. The, uh, the creeds, of course, are not ultimately authoritative. Scripture is. Scripture alone is. But we have to have a way of summarizing Scripture. And uh, at the very best, these confessions teach Scripture. Mm -hmm. Now, when you had to memorize that, were you an undergrad? I was uh, my, in my first my first week, actually, as a graduate student. Okay. So you, you were familiar with it, but you didn't grow up reciting it. But you say that it was the most important class assignment you ever had. So did it grab you right away? As soon as you took those couple hours and memorized it, did it? Did you say, oh, this is, this is so pivotal, or did it take you, you know, years to kind of ruminate on it and arrive at that? 
Well, I would say yes, both of those things, okay. Kathy, because I, uh, I, I, my first thought in, uh, in really memorizing the Apostles' Creed was the sheer majesty of knowing that Christians have used these very words to confess the Christian faith for multiple centuries, well over 1,500 years. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just pretty stunning. As I was 20 years old, and uh, to know that I was saying words exactly the way the martyrs said them, exactly the way the reformers said them, uh, exactly the way that uh, that true Christians have uh, have confessed the faith. That was just incredibly moving. Uh, but then over the years, I've grown in, into an even far deeper uh, respect as a theologian for why these words, in the exact way they're written, in the order they are written, can make all the difference between orthodoxy and heresy, real mm. Christianity and the counterfeit. So talk about how it was arrived at. When was it written, and who decided? Well, you know, it's so old, we can't answer those questions as well as we would like. The, uh, the, the where did it come from and who wrote it, it was based upon the early church trying to summarize what the apostles had taught. And, you know, Jesus uh, instructed us that we are to continue, that is to say the New Testament instructs us, uh, to continue in the apostles' doctrine. And so the early church, trying to summarize the apostles' doctrine, uh, formulated this, uh, this creed we know as the Apostles' Creed. And this doesn't mean we're not, we're claiming that the apostles wrote it, but this is what the early church kind of took down as the notes of uh, the essential teachings that came from uh, the apostles whom Christ commissioned. And, and it appears in the form we can basically recognize it by the year 390. And uh, since then, it has been in a pretty unbroken succession of affirmation throughout the Christian church. You know, it's interesting if you look at the great division between for instance, the church in the East and the West in the 11th century in 1054, uh, both the Orthodox churches of the East and the, uh, the Catholic Church of the West continued to affirm the Apostles' Creed. After the Reformation, when uh, Martin Luther and John Calvin and others uh, you know, divided from the Roman Catholic Church, both the Roman Catholic Church and the churches established by the Reformation continued to affirm uh, the Apostles' Creed and to use it in worship. That really says something. Mm-hmm. So now you mentioned just now, use it in worship. Um, so oftentimes we look at the creeds and we say that's something that we would use use for personal devotion, or it would be a way that we keep on top of our own doctrine. But what about the value of using it in worship, uh, you know, it being a communal statement where we all read it together? That's really been a very important part of, of the Christian faith and Christian worship, confessing the faith. We had a phenomenal graduation service, uh, commencement for the, the seminary. Uh, we filled the seminary lawn, about 2,500 people on a spectacular day. And a lot of those people were not believers. And so in the course of the ceremony, I completely present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, I'm not doing it for the graduates. They're getting ready to be sent out as ministers and missionaries. I'm doing it because of some of their family members who are there who don't know Christ. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we recited the Apostles' Creed uh, in the service together. And the reason I did that is because I want the people who are there who may not know a clue about what Christians believe to at least hear that succinct summary of Christian truth. I want to tell you one other anecdote. One of my dear friends, who is now pastor and just a wonderful evangelical pastor, he was taken by his parents when he was a kid to uh, a very liberal church. But they continued to use the creed in the, in the worship. Like so many liberal churches, they continued to sing good hymns, and uh, this church had the creed. 
And as a 16-year-old boy, sitting in a liberal church where he didn't hear the gospel, he began to listen to the creed every Sunday. And so he thought it through phrase by phrase. Mm -hmm. And as a 16-year-old boy, he decided, this is what Christianity is, and I believe I'm a Christian. Uh, That's how that creed has functioned in worship. It unifies and it teaches. Yeah. In uh, the church I attend, um, Dr. Moeller, each month when we share in communion together, uh, before we partake of the meal, our pastor stands up before us and says, people of God, what do you believe? And we recite the Apostles' Creed. And whenever we do it, I think, I wonder if the apostles, the people who wrote that, I wonder if they would be shocked to know that people are saying that with, with a, with a full-throated understanding, with a commitment, with courage in the face of who knows what over so many centuries. I mean, I, it's just amazing to think of the historical sweep of the church and how those words have endured. Absolutely, and I think of the same question, but I would answer by saying, yes, I think the apostles would have confidence that there would be found true Christians who would confess the true faith. I think they would have confidence in what Christ said in Matthew chapter 16, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And uh, when you look at how they already had to battle heresy, even uh, within the record of, uh, of the New Testament, look at Paul having to deal with it in his letters, I don't think they'd be surprised by the uh, the attacks of, of heresy, uh, but I think they would have confidence in Christ preserving his church. But what, don't you think they'd be surprised that we were saying those exact words? Uh, maybe, but you know, it's really interesting that w- when you do have uh, instructions in the New Testament to continue in the Apostles' Doctrine, you, you actually have Paul saying to Timothy, continue the pattern of sound words. Mm-hmm. And so it appears that the apostles handed down, for instance, Paul to Timothy, a pattern of sound words. And uh, I I want to uh, hold to that very same pattern, as I know you do as well. We'll be right back. Graduation Day is finally here. Celebrate their achievement and leave the catering to Bistro to Go in the Northside. From backyard family gatherings to glitzy affairs, their simply delicious creations are sure to impress. Fresh, unique, and artistically displayed. From crisp salads and fresh fruits to gorgeously grilled chicken or beef and delectable desserts. With vegan and gluten-free options. Reasonably priced, fully staffed, delivered, or ready to go. Celebrate success with Bistro to Go at bistroandcompany.com. When wet weather is on the way, keep it dry inside with J&D Waterproofing. Water seepage and a sinking foundation can cause major structural damage if left untreated. Joe Belanti and the team at J&D Waterproofing have the experience to correct your water problem with over 72 years in the industry. Call the Tri-State's premier waterproofing company now at 1-800-VERY-DRY for a free estimate and big savings on all waterproofing services for a limited time. J&D Waterproofing, 1-800-VERY-DRY. As parents, you're dedicated to seeing your kids live out God's call for their lives, to enter adulthood with discernment, integrity, biblical values, and the ability to thrive in work that's meaningful, to not only make wise and faithful decisions, but defend them as well. 
At Cornerstone Prep in West Mifflin, pre-K through 12th grade students thrive in an environment that fosters biblical discipleship and authentic education. Cornerstone Prep, ready for life at cornerstoneprep.net. They didn't teach us this in Bible college. A family in my church has asked me to help with their son who's addicted to heroin. They're in a serious crisis, and I'm so busy with everything else at the church. How do I help them? For over 50 years, Western Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge has come alongside local pastors to help them in the fight against addiction in their congregations. Call 724-265-4100 now. Western Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge, bringing wholeness to the hopeless. Train up children in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. PittsburghChristianSchools.net will help you locate true educational partners in Allegheny, Beaver, Butler, and Washington Counties. PittsburghChristianSchools.net Listen to your favorite Christian programs anytime on the OnePlace app. Download and listen offline. Stream to your car or automated home device. Download OnePlace at Google Play or the iTunes App Store. I'm talking to Dr. Albert Moeller. His new book is called The Apostles' Creed, Discovering Authentic Christianity in an Age of Counterfeits. Okay, so talk about why now. Why a book on the Apostles' Creed? I've known many people, I know them now, who say, what do we need the creeds for? We have the Bible. That's all we need. Well, and the Bible, we must affirm, is our ultimate authority. Uh, the, the, the challenge is, and so let me just speak as a seminary president. How do I know whom to hire? Hmm. Uh, I want to hire only those who are absolutely orthodox and faithful in doctrine. So you might say, I could just hand them a Bible and say, would you sign this? But the problem is that heretics will sign it under those circumstances, because they're able then to flesh out the doctrines uh, according to their own, uh, their own inclinations. That's why the Church has always, in one way or another, had to have creeds and confessions in which it says, no, this is true Christianity, that's, that's mm-hmm. not right. For instance, one of the earliest challenges to the church was that you had people teaching that Jesus is almost just like the Father in his deity. Well, that's not the Christ of Scripture. That's why the church had to come back and say, no, Christ is true God as well as true humanity. Uh, And and, and you you sometimes hear fully God, truly God is the most emphatic uh, expression. He's not of a similar substance as the the Father. He is of the same substance. The difference between that is actually whether or not you have Christianity. Dr. Muller, talk about these graduates. You said you had a wonderful graduation uh, ceremony, and you said the Apostles' Creed together. And I wonder how you're looking at the the current state of the church. I mean, you have such a huge responsibility to be training um, people to be in combat, you know, to to be to be working with the day-to-day problems that people face. Um, And, of course, there's the unbelievable suffering that people go through, and there's the confusion of trying to figure out what Christianity looks like in contemporary America. I mean, they're hard times. You know, I'm so interested that you took that the direction you did, because I I was going to tell you that in that commencement ceremony, when we recited the Apostles' Creed for the graduates, it was like a charge. These were fighting. Mm, yeah. Uh, the, the, this is the uh, this is the message they're taking out into the world. Uh, the, this this is true Christianity. They're unashamed of it. Uh, they, they're ready to teach it and preach it and take it. And so it, it, it was really a manifesto. It was fighting words saying that we're going to go. If we go down, we're going down for this. Yeah. 
Yep. And, uh, you know, I think that's what the church needs right now. You're exactly right. We're living in very confused and confusing times, which is why the subtitle of my book is Discovering Authentic Christianity in an Age of Counterfeits. Uh, you've got to be able to detect the counterfeits. Mm-hmm. And we've got to be willing to give our lives for the real thing. That's why I wrote the book on the Apostles' Creed, because it it, it really helps to do that right now. Dr. Albert Moeller, The Apostles' Creed, Discovering Authentic Christianity in an Age of Counterfeits. Uh, Let's just start at the beginning. Uh, We don't have time to go through each element of the creed, but the the words we believe are so uh, fraught with that idea of, of courage, of boldness, of certainty, of humility, you know, we're not believing in ourselves. We're not believing in the idea of belief, but but our belief is centered on a person. Uh, so talk about that start to the creed. You know, it's really interesting that we call it a creed because of the Latin word credo that is the very beginning of the Apostles' Creed, I believe. And so it's credo. Uh, thus they call it a creed, and, and we know it by that word. It's an astounding verb, I believe. You know, it's right in the center of the gospel. I I just remind people, this is where Jesus described the essence of the gospel to Nicodemus in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Whoever believes in him. And, uh, you know, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved is the imperative. There is no Christianity without beliefs. And as the apostles make clear, there are certain definite beliefs that are essential to Christianity. We better know what those are. Yeah. Talk about your own, um, the work that you have, Dr. Muller. I mean, you're a public figure. You have to write regularly. You have to speak regularly. People want to know what you think about issues. They want to know how you feel about whether it's a theological doctrine or it's something going on in society. And as I said earlier in our conversation, I've read you for years and I really admire how bold you've been, consistent you've been on issues. I I so much admire that you've uh, made an apology when you felt it was important to do. Um, But I want to know how you think about your role. I, I mean, it is so um, challenging to think our way through the things happening today, and you're having to talk about it and comment on it on a daily basis. Well, these are complicated times. Your, your question's very kind. It's a, it's a heavy responsibility. I'm, I'm sitting here in my study, and uh, I've, I've got oil paintings of, uh, of Luther facing me, and uh, some of the historic doctors of the church, teachers of the church facing me, and I'm just reminded of the fact that I want to be found faithful. Yeah. And uh, I, I hope, first of all, by the, the, the one who will judge the living and the dead, by Jesus Christ. But if, if the Lord tarries, I want to be found faithful by the church. And I want to turn out men who are faithful mm-hmm. in the pulpit and students, both men and women, who are going to go out and, and do what God has, uh, has appointed them to do. Missionaries, uh, workers all over the place. I want them to be faithful, and it's worth giving my life to lead a faithful seminary that will turn out faithful men as preachers and faithful servants of the church. Um, I I have to know what faithfulness is. That's one of the reasons why I wrote this book. I I, I wrote an earlier work on this this own institution's confession of faith called the Abstract of Principles because it's the same it's the same issue. Uh, we have to know what the true faith is if we're going to teach it and defend it. Even if, as parents, we're going to pass it down to our children. And, you know, we're, we're in an age in which no one else is going to help us in this. 
And so it's entirely up to the church to define and defend mm-hmm. Christianity. It's entirely up to Christian parents uh, to raise up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. In this, in this regard, in a secular culture, we're all alone now, and it's up to us. Well, Dr. Muller, you've been uh, you've been consistent over many years, and you know you're not perfect, and I don't expect you to be. But you have been, from what I have seen, faithful to the call that you've been given, and I'm grateful for it. I feel like you've enriched my life and my understanding, and I appreciate this latest work as well. Well, you are so very kind, Kathy. I appreciate your work, and I appreciate your interest in this book. And and what's really clear, your uh, your deep commitment to the historic and living Christian faith. So. I'm proud to confess the faith together. Mm -hmm, Yeah. Well, the new book, The Apostles' Creed, Discovering Authentic Christianity in an Age of Counterfeits, is one that you're going to want to look up. The author, R. Albert Muller, Jr. The Steelers, Penguins, and Pirates are successful sports teams because they have a plan and they stick to it. Before their games even start, they know what they want to do and how they're going to do it. The same is true in retirement. Do you have a game plan or are you just going to wing it when that day comes? I'm Ethan Lane, Associate Advisor at Accurate Solutions Group, where we strictly focus on retirement planning. We help people retire with confidence, clarity, and independence. Give our team a call now to start building your own retirement blueprint. 412-515-3555. That's 412-515-3555. Don't be unprepared. At Accurate Solutions Group, we can help build you a plan to get you to and through retirement successfully. 412-515-3555. That's 412-515-3555. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, for the extreme in all of us, at ExtremeTruck.net. Jill, why don't you tell the class what you did this weekend? Well, my dad and I went in search of some magical minnows and found a zillion of them in the stream from our lookout rock. Then my sister and I escaped from an evil slug king and went back to my super twig port for safety. Then we told stories till it got dark, and the Big Dipper led us all the way home. Where were you, Jill? We went to the forest. It's not that far away. Ask your parents to take you and your friends to the forest this week. It's closer than you think. Check out discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Fully transparent and here to help. Qualities like these make the original Mattress Factory unique. Come see where and how we make our mattresses and compare our products to the mainstream brands. We want to help you make an informed decision, free from hassle and confusion. So when you're ready to purchase your next mattress, come to the original Mattress Factory first. Whether you buy from us or not, you'll walk away better prepared to make a smart mattress choice. 
Stop by one of our stores or visit OriginalMattress.com. It's that time of year. Red Nose Day is back at Walgreens. You can collect all five of the new Everyday Hero Red Noses today and help end child poverty. With your purchase of a Red Nose at Walgreens, you're making a real impact on the lives of children in need. Walgreens, trusted since 1901. Dentistry, in my opinion, shouldn't be a fear-inducing experience. And it really, I think, goes a long way for patients when I'm able to develop that one-on-one relationship with them. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. That's a lot. It's just so much. So good. So good. It's exhausting. The estate of Whitney Houston has struck a deal aiming to revive the late superstar's brand. At first, I thought it was the late superstar's band. I got excited about his brand. Potentially launching, get ready for it, a touring hologram. Yes! No, I'm no, so excited. no, that is a terrible idea. No, it's, like ama- it's, it's an amazing idea. It's a horrible idea. idea. I love it so much. No, it's terrible. I want tickets right now. It's going to be a hologrammed Whitney Houston who has been dead for what? A decade at Doesn't least. Doesn't matter. The audio in and of itself no. is amazing. That's a horrible idea. That is oh, going to be so cheese. I can't wait. It can't happen. I want to buy tickets right now. <laughs> Have a great night. <laughs> I'm not going with you. <laughs> Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.